it's two pronged thing. Women must at the right time uh, fight for their rights, whether being at the table or whatever it is, but also raising their hand and having the confidence saying, I want to be a part of that deal. Mm. And men, you're the bosses, um, and also women bosses, making sure that you're giving equal footing, equal and fair footing to your team to all then rise and, and say they want to be a part of it. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah. Welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode on the Mizi Wahid podcast. I'm truly thankful to have you as my listener. I'm very appreciative of your support all this while. May all the episodes here that I produce be of great benefit to you and your loved ones. Today, I have uh, a very inspiring guest. She is the co-founder and CEO of an international non-profit organization called Project Girls for Girls. Uh, her name is Izana Saleh from Malaysia. Izana has a master's degree in public administration from Harvard, a master's in business administration from Imperial College sorry, in the UK, and she also has a bachelor's degree in biotechnology. Interesting. Wow. Her vast professional experiences come uh, in management, public policy, and even startups. She finds great fulfillment in helping young girls to be more empowered to find their truest potential. And recently, Izana and her team successfully organized an impressive international online conference that was attended by more than 4,000 participants called RISE Future Female Leaders Conference 2021, which I was so honored to be a part of. Without further ado, I would like to welcome to my podcast, Izana. Welcome, Izana. Assalamualaikum, Mr. Smizi. Thank you so Hi. much for having me and hello to all your listeners as well. Thank you so much for making time. I know you're a very busy person and um, you know I'm, I'm truly grateful that you agreed to be my guest here today. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I was really looking forward to it, to be honest. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. So, Izana, for a start, um, maybe to introduce yourself a bit more to the listeners out there, Maybe you want to share a bit about Project Girls for Girls. It sounds really interesting. I think you have presence in quite a number of other countries. Um, maybe you can share what does Girl for Girls stand for? What is the main mission uh, of Girl, Project Girls for Girls? Sure. Um, so Project Girls for Girls started out very organically. I will, I'll tell you a bit about our mission and just a bit about how we started so you know uh, firstly, it becomes a bit more relatable. And secondly, you know, I, I hope it inspires anyone else to, to do the same. Um, so our mission actually is to help young women and girls build their courage, vision and skills to step into their full potential in leadership positions. Mm. When we first started in 2016, 2017, we were very focused on getting women in uh, at the public sector uh, so policy, politics, things like that. Uh, but as we grew into many countries, we realized that actually uh, different countries had different problem statements. Mm. So we've adjusted uh, so that to, to meet our global demand. Um, uh, and now we say leadership positions. This can be in C-suite, this can uh, as in corporate uh, boards, uh, it can be in the NGO world, um, whatever it is, as long as we see more women stepping into leadership positions. And I'll tell you a bit about the genesis. And I love telling the story because it can happen to anyone. And it was really so organic. I'm sometimes surprised where we are today. Mm. Um, so this is during, uh, when I was doing my master's at Harvard, uh, we were at the Kennedy School of Government. 
So, you know, with that, it's always about what is the impact you can bring? Mm. How do you make the world a better place? Uh, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Mm. Mindset. And uh, thankfully, I'm over there. You're surrounded by people, like-minded people who have the same uh, resilience and strength and passion. So when you're talking about it, you know, you have like nine, ten girls equally passionate about it. It's so multiplied. Is, the, the energy yeah, and the vision and everything is multiplied. You bonds of each other, which is really, really nice. And it, it helps uh, materialize things, as, as you can see. So what actually happened was um, a bunch of girlfriends and I, we were in between classes. Uh, we're all what we what you call not middle-aged, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but mid-career. So yeah. at that juncture, we're not, um, none of us were young girls in like late teens or early 20s. This is in 2016, 17, we all had at least um, a, a decade and a half of work experience under our belts. So mm-hmm. when you come in and you talk, you know you know what we're talking about. Yeah. So uh, one of the girls actually asked, um, her name is Carolina from Mexico. She asked, and today she's one of our co-founders. She's like, hey, ladies, what are some of the problems that you have when it comes to women, women's issues in your country? Uh, So at that time, there were nine of us on the table, Malaysia, Mexico, India, China, Uzbekistan, Iceland, Uganda, Oman, and United States. So easily you can say we covered different areas of the world and consistently. Exactly. Consistently, we all said we had a, a, a leadership, a representation and leadership issue. Mm. In Malaysia, clearly we have very poor political representation. Mm-hmm. Um, in Iceland, very strong political representation, but very poor in corporate boards and things like that. Mm. So it was very interesting. We got chatting and we all happen to have a focus on women's leadership. We have a fellowship and we're part of the Women in Public Policy program. So, you know, our minds were skewed the same way, but with very different backgrounds. So um, we got chatting and then we met up again for coffee. We were like, what are we going to do about this? You can't always blame the government for things, you know. Uh, I mean, that's that's our mindset. People always say, oh, Nini, uh, this is government's responsibility or political leaders' responsibility. No, we all, no matter the uh, your education background, your qualifications, or anything of that sort, we have the responsibility individually and collectively to move the needle, whatever needle you want to move. Mm. So long story short, we decided to sit down. We partnered with like our university professors. Uh, we came up with materials. And when we graduated, May 2017, we said, okay, let's all go back to our countries, respective regions and countries. Let's start. Start small, five, ten people, and then grow. And today we have we are in about 23 countries with wow. varying degrees of participation. Some are just like webinars, some it's like a whole movement. Uh, like we're very strong in Africa. Mm. For example, we're in about uh, seven to eight countries there, and it's a huge movement. And in Asia, we're in uh, Malaysia, Bhutan. Uh, Brunei, and we're just starting up in Singapore. I'm hoping to get uh, get a few more in Mexico. You know, where it's it's amazing, and amazing. and for me, what's even more amazing is this is all voluntary. Mm. It is not uh, it is not paid work. Uh, we are paid. Uh, the, our currency is passion and mm. satisfaction in seeing the impact and change in our young girls. 
um, we all put in our own money to to get things going. Mm. And it's so beautiful, Ustaz, to mm-hmm. see passionate women get together and they share their resources and they share their experience. Um, and even as a co-founder, and today, uh, starting this year, I run it as a president and CEO. When I sit in our global talks with co-founders, I sit in one of the webinars in a different country, I don't know, three in the morning, I'm so inspired. And whenever I'm done, I will call one of these girls and like, oh, let's have a chat. But the, the, the sincerity and the passion is so real. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great escapism from sometimes how dreary the world can be. I think all the founders, you and your friends, the initial nine, right? Yeah. Um, you guys shared a very focused um, vision. Like it was definitely going to be about leadership and seeing yeah. more women in more leadership positions. Uh, it could be in different areas. Uh, it could be done in different ways. But definitely that was the main thing. So I love the clarity because I think in order for a movement to be strong, there needs to be absolute compelling clarity and vision, right? If you have that, then others who hear about it, they share the same thing. And that's how you get others from around the world. You know, you, you may never even step into that country ever, but you you share the same kind of energy. They are as passionate as you are. As yeah. passionate as the founders are, so so that's really amazing, and you know I'm I'm really impressed by all the work that you have done so far, but I know that this is still just the beginning, <laughs> early days, many more that will be done, and of course recently you did the the future um, future female leaders event conference, what was the idea and inspiration behind that was it even more specific were you trying to achieve an even more specific goal from that event so you know uh this is actually never shared how this conference started um Mm. uh so girls for girls malaysia so i run the global team but i also have a team in malaysia um Mm. and i have some really amazing intelligent women who are part of it. Uh, shout out to you, to the girls um, If uh, when, I, when I send you the link. Um, <laughs> really amazing. Um, and we, last year, because of the COVID situation and the lockdown in Malaysia, of course, we had about a couple of months we were totally thrown off and I said, okay, cancel all events, obviously, because we have to maintain the SOPs, but also please sort your own lives out. Um, because people were having job issues and then how do you work from home and getting accustomed to it? I wanted to give them the bandwidth to deal with the priorities of their family and their work. And then we got back together. And when we got back together, um, we said, how do we do this? Because we can't do face-to-face. And that was that's like the mm-hmm. secret, secret sauce, right? When you want to shift mindsets, it, a lot of it has to be done at that time last year. Uh, online inspiration is very difficult because you got to read people's mm. body language if you want to mentor them. Yeah. You got to see what, because my experience in doing mentoring work is pe- a lot that needs to be said is in the nonverbal cues. Mm. So I was finding it difficult. How do you do mentorship circles online? So we said, mm. okay, let's do webinars. Okay. So we did monthly webinars. And uh, a friend of mine who now is my partner for Rise, his name is Senator Jaziri Alkaf. He was watching yes. our uh, advocating for young women in politics. And uh, so he gave me a call after that session. He said, hey, you've got a gold mine here. He's like, mm-hmm. let's talk. Uh, let's see what else we can do together. 
So um, YB Senator Alkaf is a very progressive young politician. Yeah, and, uh, I was in the same conference I mean, as he is. He was. Yes, you were. You were in the same panel. So, so um, I have to say that I was very happy that you, the universe kind of put us together in that sense. Because um, I've always been wanting for young male leaders to step up to this conversation. Mm. Um, at this at this point last year, when uh, around October or so, I was getting really tired of preaching to the choir. Mm. The conferences were pink. The audience were all women, mm. but the problem of the situation is a lot of systemic and culture, which involves everyone, and everyone means men as well. Mm -hmm. So um, when Senator spoke to me and said, you know, let's let's do something, and we say, okay, uh, of course, then you know the the mind started working, and um, we started discussing, and it was funny. I, I came up with the name Rise. It was one of those. One of those days, I was really feeling very passionate, and I'm typing the the pitch deck for uh, for this conference. And I was sitting with my brother at that time. Mm. I'm like, Abang, what do you think? Young women leaders rise. And my brother looked at me like, Are you okay, Yana? Um, because I'm I'm always you know that was my, my feminist. Up, yeah, because he could see my passion. He's like, It's a good name, but he's like, Can you say it in a slightly more classy manner? And I'm like, Rawr. <laughs> um, uh, but that, that's actually how the name came about uh, which is nice my brother's telling me it's like it's a good name mm. and uh, very relatable easy to remember and so um, between Senator Alcaf's team at My Prodigy Global my team at Girls for Girls uh, we got our brains together um, G4G uh, sort of propelled and led the content part and we have very strong leadership uh, um, guided action plan program by my mm -hmm. Prodigy Global. And alhamdulillah, the conference went well. We had about close to 5,000, 4,800 registrations. Um, and the buzz was big. To be honest with you, Ustaz Mizi, it, was, it surpassed uh, our expectations. Mm. Um, I was very nervous a couple of weeks leading up to it because um, firstly, I'll be honest with you, that's my first time organizing a conference. Amazing job, man. Thank I mean, you so much. I mean, yeah, for a first timer, I, I, I'm a regular event organizer, and yet I was very impressed as how, as to how mm -hmm. everything, even from the build up, I remember telling my team, guys, look at this proposal. I want you guys to be able to write proposals like this, okay? <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, so it was all your your masterpiece, right? Um, the pitch. No, deck. actually, to be honest, we have an amazing team with us. Um, yes. any anybody who's leading something is only as good yeah. firstly you're only as good as your weakest link that's so true. that's um, true if you have a so team, amazing amazing job to you and your team um very commendable and i can't wait for what's next you know uh, no pressure oh no. we have some things Are coming we? out soon so yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i just good. had a meeting uh, yeah. on it yesterday so keep an eye out i for sure will keep you involved i really loved um the golden nuggets of wisdom you imparted in your session. Hmm. Um, you know, when you say that, I, I also had a UN women rep um, on one of the panels on how to raise political awareness. And he texted me, like you, he is a frequent conference speaker, both 
physically and virtually. And he said that was one of the best, most solid conferences he had attended, both online and offline. He said it was well organized and he had fun. Um, same. That's the same word I use, right? Remember when I texted, I think it was it was really yeah. fun. I enjoyed the whole thing. Yeah. And it's not something you often say when you're a part of a conference. But it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really nice. I, I felt really humbled and my and I was very proud of my team. Uh, and also uh, Girls for Girls and my Prodigy Global team because everyone was working off passion mm. and commitment to the, the true north, our, our north star, of which was to get, to invigorate, ignite and inspire the minds of our young women. Um, mm. And I'm happy to say that uh, we did. Right now we're going through phase B of the conference, if you remember my brief to you. Yes. There's the smaller um, group, the more focused group. Yeah, very focused. Uh, 11 to 12 week uh, guided action plan on leadership. Uh, they're actually starting mid of mid of April. So uh, if anyone's still interested, go to Rise Malaysia, R-I-S-E Malaysia.com. There's a tab there called GAP, G-A-P, and sign up for it. They're evaluating the applications at the moment and you get very focused. Uh, it's convenient timing to just twice a week online. A lot of inspiration there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's at the helm of uh, my project Global. Awesome. All right, uh, Izana, I want to just pick up on something that you mentioned briefly earlier about, you know, you go to all these events and all you see are women in attendance. And that was part of the problem too. And you consciously set up, you know, a panel, which the one that I was in, Boris was in, Senator was in, that, you know, we were just all men <laughs> talking about, uh, how we felt about the importance of giving women the, the equal platform to rise as well. And I loved all that Senator shared um, from, a, from a more public administration policy perspective, what Boris shared from his experiences as well. And uh, I shared a lot more personal stuff, even like you know my wife and <laughs> uh, how she's amazing at her own work and so on. And how you know I have a team that are majority female. Uh, Boris said that in France or in where, I can't remember which country, they would fine you if you have uh, over-representation of one gender. I said, I have over-representation of female (laughs) staff. So (laughs) I'm glad I I, I was never fined. But let's talk about the importance of having more male voices in this space. Uh, Could you elaborate a bit more and what's still missing, you think? Sure. Um, Okay, so I'll tell you my thought process in this. Uh, we have two issues um, that is inhibiting the growth and the progress of women empowerment and gender equality conversation, at least in this region. Uh, I can't, I can't, it's not representative in say, Europe and all that. Number one is uh, our systemic um, obstacles. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means that it is um, the workplace policies, uh, government policies, systems. Um, and also the unconscious bias that happens in the workplace. Mm. The things like, for example, not having um, childcare facilities uh, at offices. Office Office buildings, buildings, yeah. yeah. I mean, now government requires it in government spaces, but office buildings and things like that. So what you're doing is that um, Malaysia, at least, has an issue of 
um, a huge dropout in the labor force at the age of about 30, which is our child wearing years, women's child wearing years. And uh, the problem is that in Malaysia, it is a single peak, meaning, so let's say you're looking at a graph and uh, we increase in uh, labor participation. Um, and then there's a dropout because at the age of 30, something we are giving birth we are let me rephrase this we are raising we're giving birth and raising the next generation of the country so this is national service mm. and that's how it should be looked at it's not mm. oh i'm pregnant so i'm giving birth no women are giving birth to the next generation of leaders in your population so mm. the country must look at it that way the problem is when they drop out there isn't another surge most countries there's a double peak second peak after they've given birth, da, 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 this sufficient support provided by the country or the workplace for women to go to uh, get back into the labor participation. Mm. In Malaysia, um, very poor support mm. from uh, culturally because women have the double burden syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always, you, you can ask anybody, actually, this is not just in Malaysia for the culture, but um, when a woman works, they will ask, who's taking care of your kid? Mm -hmm. But when man is working, nobody asks that question. Nobody asks, that's true. That bias is so strong. And some, I mean, even women in gender, gender fights also forget that. Um, because unconscious bias culture, it's all invisible to the eye. You really have to change your lens to be able to, to, see, um, to see what we are doing wrong. And even I'm guilty of it sometimes. So, so uh, countries government leaders, this one memang, because policy is up to government leaders, mm -hmm. um, they need to change policies. For example, say, uh, in order for you to get your building license, you need to have uh, facilities or, or company policies in your HR document, which says that uh, maybe paternity, about paternity leave, about uh, childcare support there, mm -hmm. even things like that, that uh, women um, actually need, which will help them rise into their full potential leadership. Mm -hmm. So the first bit was the systemic uh, issue, policies, okay. things like okay. that. Second is cultural. I touched a bit on this earlier. Culturally, in a whether it's um, our region, Asian culture, uh, or maybe for some people it's the religious culture, uh, rituals and, and uh, mindsets. It, may, it might not be the religion, but it might be the culture perpetuated by the people in the religion. Mm -hmm. Prohibits women from breaking grounds. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm a young, <laughs> a young woman. I'm, I'm 34 years old. Uh, I'm not married. I'm very proud of the things I have achieved so far. But uh, as far as this culture goes, where I live in at the moment, mm -hmm. it is not good enough. Mm. The question isn't, and especially I noticed it that this year, there was quite a few things I feel, uh, thankfully, I have done well. Mm -hmm. uh, but the question is always, now it's not even a how are you though. It's like, mm. hey, bila nak kawin? Yeah. I'm like, wow. It's, it jumps. It, it gets the first priority question to ask. It becomes first priority question. And for me, um, I'm already thick skin, so I'll have my answers to that. But it for me, it just tells me that the culture is so strong. You can achieve don't, so don't you, much. Uh, do you mind sharing? What, what's your response now? Because I think a, a lot of ladies are also like, I don't know what to say. I'm tired of this question. I say, um, I say it's not, I'm, I'm, fin I'm uh, achieving a few more things. I'll get married when I'm ready. Mm. That's if, when, yeah, if I'm in a good mood. Lah. If I'm not in a good mood, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but 
the, the thing is what, what it shows me, because it's so consistent. Mm-hmm. It starts with the aunties right up to even uh, younger people. The question is, then, oh, uh, what are you doing? What are you up to nowadays? Or um, oh, congrats on whatever you've achieved. It's always when you're getting married. And the reason is because uh, culturally people think you are not complete. Yes. Until you are with a spouse. Of course, I understand when I chat with my married friends, they're like, yeah, no, it doesn't stop there. They're going to start asking when you're getting married and all that. And I'll deal with that when I get mm-hmm. there. But just what it shows you is that a woman and her own achievements isn't complete until she has a man to report to, which is quite sad for many women who who stand on their own um, right and you know they've achieved their own. I'm not in any way saying that women shouldn't get married. No, please, if you want, do. Uh, and I will uh, when I'm ready and the time is right. Inshallah. Please, inshallah. Um, but it's a, it's a cultural mindset. People don't mean malice when they say it, but it is a shift that we need to make because mm. then you start appreciating women for their contributions. Yes. And then you see them as a priority, whether it is contributing to economic growth, whether it is contributing to shifting mindsets uh, in your country, uh, because they are not just secondary to a man. They're not just there to give birth. They are birthing the next nation. You see how, of all people, you know this assessment, these storytelling and narrative is so important. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for me, these are the two areas which needs more work, the systemic, um, the systemic obstacles and the mm-hmm. cultural, cultural obstacles. And for me, the cultural one is a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it's, it's a whole generation passed down mindset that's passed down from generation to generation. And we just can't seem to get rid of it and or change shift our perspective um, regarding such issues you mentioned about marriage right and you you said something um a woman isn't complete until she has a man to report to um some people might disagree no it's not about reporting but here's what i noticed even even in the more you know the, the women who are in the professional line the women who are graduates right the moment they get married even their mindset sometimes gets so affected, like, oh, yeah, I need to always report to my husband. You know, it is something that is, you know, um, uh, it's, it's good to have, like you respect your partner. But I feel like sometimes it doesn't go both ways. I believe in a marriage that has mutual respect, you know, mutual love, mutual compassion. It has to be that. And, and I see a lot of marriages, Izana. Um, having problems and issues because some nowadays because women are progressing so well in their education in their career that men get very intimidated okay and they are either intimidated by the women's success or her intellect and for some reason they, they don't mind being with a woman as long as she is not as accomplished as he is there must be she must be slightly lower like they cannot be two equal individuals um, who can actually love each other for who they are and respect each other for what they have accomplished. And this is something that, you know, me on my, uh, my own work, I'm, I try to educate and try to create more awareness with the men that there's nothing wrong. I mean, our prophet, peace be upon him, married Khadija, who was so much more accomplished than, than he was professionally right? Uh, very successful. And so, you know, the, 
you need to be you need to love yourself you need to be comfortable with your own uh, achievements your own qualities your own strengths and being with a partner does not need you does not require you to to feel smaller and you should feel safe your partner will not belittle you or disrespect you just because you don't have the same um paper qualifications and what not so those are some of my thoughts on on that i want to share with you some thoughts there so just at the beginning of your statement you said that um, some people might disagree with what i said which is that if some people get married and then you women are not complete until they have husband to report to I, I see that sort of um, mimicking some of the retorts that I hear. Um, so I personally don't feel that way about a union between uh, partners, between a, a man and a wife. Um, and I do agree with you that it's got to be on equal footing. Um, laws need to reflect that. Um, culturally, how we raise our children um, will reflect how the next generation embrace partnership. Mm. I feel that um, there's a tectonic shift happening at the moment. There's a lot of young ones um, who are young parents who are far more exposed today, whether it's through education or travel or work or whatever it is. And I do notice that um, women are stepping up and men are embracing equal partnership. Mm. But Someone I spoke to, one of my panelists for the conference, um, he was in the session about how to walk the positive masculinity talk. And mm-hmm. during my session with him, um, he actually told me, he's like, Azana, you need to add in, because as you remember, you received, um, uh, you, you uh, this was a fact pack, which my team did for every, all 12 topics. They sat, mm-hmm. they researched, and they prepared questions for you beforehand. And for that, how to walk the positive masculinity talk session, uh, one of the speakers, Cheryl Hamdan, he, he told me, he's like, Zana, you need to research this specific conversation called the crisis of masculinity. And the reason why he said that, and, and I'm so, so grateful to him for having highlighted that to me and my team, uh, is because he said that so many young men these days I'm not even going to touch on the older generation because that's a bit tough. But the young younger men these days, we have so many women empowerment programs and you know girls empowerment, girls for girls la ministry of women la. But who's actually doing the cultural and mindset shift for young men? So what's happening is that young men are seeing very vocal women. Uh, I'm not saying all young men. I'm saying some, yeah. Please don't be offended by the things that I say. Um, some young men feel like I don't know how to deal with this because for the last several decades they were raised and they were cultured in a way which says that men are more superior. Mm-hmm. And then you have these young women who are going through mentorship programs and trainings and all of that that says no, we are equal. Mm-hmm. So there's a misalignment there. Yeah, and so. The question, that's actually also the genesis why I wanted to do the program. And you remember I had 40% male speakers on a women empowerment gender equality conversation. Um, I was so grateful to all our male speakers who were with us for this conversation. Because exactly what Cheryl said is like, 
there is a misalignment mm-hmm. and getting more and more empowered. But young men who are not undergoing the program officially or unofficially to shift mindsets culturally and are not in environments that encourage that, whether through reading or conversations or discourse, it's going to be forever misaligned. Mm. So I think there's, uh, I'm happy with, to see with my own eyes that yeah, there's a lot of young parents who are correcting this misalignment through the education to their kids, whether it's their daughters mm-hmm. or their sons. The education that starts from home mm-hmm. is the most powerful. Because yes. when you set your children with the right values mm-hmm. that is reflective of the progress being made to, to date, mm-hmm. then the next generation will grow up creating a far more equal world. What is right and what is wrong? Yeah, and, and that is that is beyond borders, that is beyond race, beyond religion. Mm-hmm. What is right is right, and what is wrong is wrong. Absolutely. So, so I mean, that, that's my take on it. So, yeah. It's about environment and education, formal mm-hmm. or informal. You know, as you were saying that, I was like, mm, I did a program on this before. And so I, later I'll, I'll share with you. I don't know how to share the camera, but it's, it's called The Modern Man, A Muslim Masculinity. So it's, we did a series, my, myself and a friend. Um, it's available uh, on this app that you can download and subscribe to. So we, we, we discussed about masculinity from an Islamic perspective because nice. of my background. And uh, it was a very refreshing conversation. And we're very conscious that we're doing this mainly for the men who are, as you said, maybe they're a bit lost. Maybe they're confused. Maybe they don't know what, how to respond to all of these movements that can be quite... Overwhelming. Well. Yes, overwhelming. Um, so I guess there needs to be more of that as well, uh, more, more topics around that. So yes, I'm looking forward to more of that, inshallah. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, prior to doing the conference several years ago, when I started Girls for Girls in Malaysia, when I went to universities, the deans of the universities would, would pull me inside and say, Izana, you don't have Girls for Boys or Boys for Boys kind of program. It's our boys who need this kind of... Uh, um, conversations to happen and and to be honest that was when I, I realized that actually this is true but of course um, I didn't have a big enough team at that time to to do something more about it but things mm-hmm. happen with time but please do share with me the what, what you just sure. showed me I'm very interested okay um, you said also that it has to start from home um, and I think I shared during the conference about how my wife and I, we try to ensure that our kids, because we have two boys and two girls. So we try to ensure that um, we treat everybody in a manner in which it helps them understand that they have um, equal rights, responsibilities at home too, right? It's um, so important. Yes. Yeah, so for example, something as simple as um, um, cleaning, okay, cleaning up the house, the room, for example. So sometimes I would notice while I'm having dinner, and I, from my peripheral view, I see that my daughters are cleaning up. And I, I notice that my boys are playing games, for example, on you know on their PS4 or something. I'm like, boys, why aren't you cleaning up? Uh, but Kaka is cleaning. No, you guys get up now and clean too. You clean the other side, Kaka will clean this side and I did. And, and after a while, they realize that, uh, okay, we need to do whatever you know the girls have to do, we must also do is the same thing. But it's not just in saying uh, the best example as parents is always about you setting a good example. So Absolutely. they need to see me doing whatever I tell them to do way before I tell them to do anything, right? 
called role modeling it, right? Role modeling. Because children, is, they, they mimic whatever their parents do, right? They see and then they follow. Um, and, and so even when I in, instruct them or order them uh, or encourage them to do something, it's not weird to them. It's like, huh? Why is he telling us to do something when he doesn't do it? <laughs> right? Absolutely. So that's where I feel like our prophet is such a great example. He, he when he was, uh, the wife was asked to describe how was he at home. Well, he he did the chores at home. He cleaned up. He 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 did his shoes. He did everything, and and that is that should inspire men to realize that okay, you need to also step up. So I guess the main takeaway is really about you know respecting. Um, the role of anyone doing anything at all. Like, just because you're a housewife doesn't mean you are less important. Uh, you are contributing lesser to the to the to the family's economy. You are doing it in ways that are not so visible. Maybe it doesn't. It's not visible in the bottom line. Like some men just want to say, "Oh, the, but the money goes into my bank account, so I'm not I'm the one contributing." But without you know everything else that's happening, um, it wouldn't be possible. Right. They are the glue that makes things happen. Um, talking about housewives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but the thing is, you know, even our language, you can see in some countries they're progressing. Um, chairmen are becoming chairperson um, at some juncture. I don't, I don't see this happening at the moment. But housewife would become a different word that is not. But, but in in Malay, we still say orang rumah. Instead of suri rumah. Orang rumah is is not bad, but culturally you're you're thinking woman, right? Mm. But I mean, things take time um, to progress. We do see a lot of shifts, though in my opinion, it's not enough. Um, But thinking it's not enough is actually what will encourage us to work towards what is enough and what is fair for uh, women and young girls. But I'm so happy to hear that you do practice that at home. Um, it's rare. Um, so I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that you walk the talk. Because, um, because I feel like one day, and this is all that I need to imagine. If I, if I don't set a good example, if I'm disrespectful to my wife, if I'm harsh and mean towards her, my boys will grow up thinking that it's okay for them to do that to other women in the future. My daughters will feel like if I marry a man who, who disrespects me, who is abusive, it's okay. It's normal because that's how mom and dad were. And all I need to do is just imagine that. And that's not what I want my children to have. The kind of future that I want them to have. The kind of relationships I want them to have. The kind of mindset I want them to have. And it just has to go back there. And then it's a good enough reminder uh, for me to always be on my toes and, and be conscious of my actions, my words, and my treatment of others at home. That's it. I want, I want to take that one step further. So I remember one of the many conversations that happened during the conference was um, some men uh, who realized there's some practices at home sometimes don't um, translate this to the workplace because like, oh, I see this, I want the best for my daughter, so I do this at home. But when you go into the workplace, say you are a senior management or whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. you are also, act- it, it doesn't become uh, mute or the landscape doesn't change completely. You are still dealing with someone's daughter, someone's mm. son, and culture still persists that it's not just bottom line. People spend most of their time in the workplace. So that is, that so in how, our adult how do we fix that, Isana? How do we change the mindset? It's, it's reminding, it is, 
calling out. Uh, I never, I don't encourage calling out rudely because um, that will create other social issues. But I do encourage calling out in a professional, respectful manner uh, when it doesn't happen. It's also about knowing how to manage upwards, managing your bosses, managing downwards, managing your team, mm-hmm. um, and also saying, well, I don't. I see an un, I see an unconscious bias here, whether it's through a private conversation during appraisal or even before that, asking for an appointment. It is having the courage your own personal courageous leadership mm-hmm. to have a conversation that will better your environment, right? But for, say, spouses, if you see your spouse doing it like, hey, you know, you say this at home, which is good for our daughter, but uh, are you doing the same thing in the office space mm-hmm. so that the women in your team have equal footing to the men? Are you ensuring that the conversation about deals happen when all parties are present? Mm. Or are you having those conversations only at times when there are some biases happening? For example, and I said this during my panel session, also during the conference, um, it can be many different spectrum. Uh, If you are going on for Friday prayers together, the guys go together, right? the the um, lunch session after the market session a lot of deals happen there mm. that's very much a boys club but they'll say it's not it's not like we did it on purpose we were just having lunch we went for prayers together it's like yes but i cannot join you in your prayers i cannot be part of that deal can i or on the other end of the spectrum if you go out for drinks after work mm. some women may or may not join because they're not comfortable with it or they have to go back and Again, you know, culturally, they have to prepare the dinner for family members. And then so the, the I was having a chat with one of our media veterans here a couple of weeks ago about the same conversation. He said that it's a boys club out there when drinking session happens, and that's when the deals are closed. So men, women are already doing a lot of things, can do more for us, always. Uh, but men need to call out as bosses who are who's aware of this unconscious bias that's happening at home and you train your daughter to be rara the best that she can be. But in the workplace, are you making sure that you have all of them present and saying, okay, now we can have this conversation about this deal. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be part of it? So women can say, can then exercise their leadership and say, I want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, if they don't say then too bad, like you can you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. But it's two-pronged thing. Women must, at the right time, uh, fight for their rights, whether being at the table or whatever it is, but also raising their hand and having the confidence saying, I want to be a part of that deal. Mm-hmm. And men, if you're the bosses, um, and also women bosses, making sure that you're giving equal footing, equal and fair footing to your team to all then rise and, and say they want to be a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by House of Spectacles. If you need a proper diagnosis of your eye condition or you're simply looking for a new pair of glasses, contact House of Spectacles today. Call 8825-1701. That's 8825-1701. Or you can visit them at House of Spectacles located at 390 Victoria Street, Golden Landmark Shopping Centre, Unit Number 0139. You'll find them at Level 1, so please pay them a visit soon. And thank you, House of Spectacles, for your support for this week's episode. Well, Izana, um, you, you're doing a lot, right? And when, even when I read the introduction for you in the beginning, that's probably just half of what you do, perhaps. Right? <laughs> you're very busy, 
and we had this conversation before um, separately that you are you can get pretty intense when you are really in the zone when you're doing a lot of stuff and it, it does keep you going and i told you that i could relate to it because i also you know i love my job and i'm i'm, I'm in everything that i do because i enjoy it and i and i feel um fulfilled and i guess the same for you too but my mm-hmm. question for you is how do you give yourself time to rest you know what do you do for fun what do i do for fun <laughs> my team is going to laugh when i hear, when they hear this because actually my team is the one who keeps reminding me is he take a break mm. take a break because um someone told me recently um he said that when i get in the zone for work it's like i turn into a machine mm. you know focused and then just go <laughs> But to be honest with you, Stasmizi, I've always been like this even since I was young. Mm. I love to work. I mm. love to work. I love setting a goal and then going to the end of the world to get it. Mm. I've always been like this. So I've always needed help to kind of rest and relax. <laughs> so I surround myself with people who know how to be like, oh, let's come join us. Um, but to be honest with you, my biggest relaxation is when I'm with my nieces and nephew. Mm-hmm. um they are a huge jo- source of joy for me mm. um it's nice that they're nieces and nephews because i can just go for a few hours yeah. and then come back to work um but but they're, they're i've seen you post a uh, post on your instagram for about that yeah. they're like they're like uh, my world and i'm so grateful to my brothers and sisters-in-law cuz you know we're a very tight family and i'm very close to the kids and to be honest with you whenever i was very stressed i think i mean this is recent obviously mm-hmm. i will look for them uh, cuddle them sometimes annoy them because they're not big kids right cannot cuddle and kiss anymore um but i have so much fun with them they they really take my stress away mm-hmm. but before they arrived onto the scene um i i'm very family oriented mm-hmm. so i'll call my cousins uh and you know we'll go out for my kind i'm like guys i kind of need a break I, i've been in this zone for too long uh, join me for lunch or go to their house we'll do things together but mm. i'll be honest with you i always need people to help me rest and relax cuz if you leave it to me i will be working nonstop until late night yeah. in fact i will be honest with you mm. since january this year uh this is the week that i'm slowly tapering down my work and i actually had to block my calendar um this weekend i actually wrote that so i i have to put it in my calendar if it's in my mm-hmm. calendar i will do it if it's not mm-hmm. i won't mm-hmm. so i should put there blocked out no appointments isana do you want a burnout <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of reminding me cuz a reminder been, mm. yeah it's it's been nonstop um and to be honest i only put it in there because someone said exactly those words to me like can you please relax because knowing you you're just going to continue. You know what? I'll 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 be a good friend and I'll also drop in a message once in a while, Izana, please take a break. Yeah. Okay? Remind me. And then you ask me, what are you doing? Are you on your laptop or not? <laughs> well, to be honest, I also struggle as well. Uh I work every day as well, uh weekends included. Yeah. But um my answer would actually be the same as you. Okay? I I actually when people ask me stuff, how do you recharge? And I always say when I hang out with my family. Yeah. When I'm out with my kids, even if I get for a few hours with them, that's that's how I recharge. That's how I relax, you know, how I have fun. So, I guess everybody has their own way, you know. Yeah. Just because how you have fun is, you know, you 
you play sports or you you go fishing, which is something someone asked me recently, Stas, do you go fishing? Because they want to ask me out. I said, no, I cannot imagine myself sitting for four hours doing nothing. Oh my God. I would be, I would, yeah. my mind would be so blown to bits yeah. at the end yeah. of the hour. I'll be so restless after an hour, I think. Yeah. So, um, but I guess we all have our own ways. And I hope um, you'll continue to find newer ways to, to chill and <laughs> yeah. to relax in the future. Okay? I have good friends who who try and take me to different activities, but I find that I'm most myself. Um, I'm a bit of a silly girl, um, but that side only comes out when I'm with my family mm. um, and, and close loved ones. As soon as it becomes just a little bit outside, uh, I, I, I notice that I'm I'm a bit more... Formal, but I'm really myself, my silliest, funny girl uh, with my family. Yeah. So, so I, and I that's when you feel most relaxed too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am. I am. Okay. So, um, Izana, um, every guest that I have now, I, I give them a chance to ask me a question. So, do you have anything you want to ask me? Sure. I had so many questions to ask you. The more one, sensitive one, one, ones. One. <laughs> The one. ones I asked earlier, yeah. but um, I I wanna as you know, Ustaz Mizi, um, I was following you even before um, I reached out to you for the conference, and I follow you because I I found it so rare to find a progressive thinking uh, person, a teacher. Um, preacher, motivational speaker within the religious realm. Mm. And I was very grateful to have stumbled upon your Instagram mm -hmm. because um, it was what I needed to have a bit of faith in mm. what could happen uh, within, within our local conversations. So my question to you is, what do you think needs to happen for us to produce more uh, people who think like you, more men who think like you within Singapore, Malaysia region, and and not high level thinking? Mm. Because uh, I want I want to know really like what you think uh, we need to do to produce, especially for um, say Malay Muslim community, because mm. this is for me the toughest um, conversation to have. The culture mm. is so strong against the women empowerment and gender equality conversation. Your thought process is rare, I'm telling you this. So how do we, how do people like you, people like me produce more men who think like you? Oh, wow. What a tough question. Mm, I kind of regret asking you. to. <laughs> I feel like it all was down, Izana, to education, number one. Um, and specifically, because when you, when you narrow it down to the Malay Muslim men, I can't help but mention the fact that a lot of it does come down to how a lot of men interpret religious teachings, religious texts, and how they view it as very uh, binary, very, very um, black and white, right? And sometimes it, it, it is even misinterpreted because as a graduate of Al-Azhar University uh, in the field of Sharia, I was exposed to a lot of views, not even the four main school of thoughts that many people are aware of, but I'm exposed to even more than that. Uh, contemporary scholars, even a lot of the classical scholars. 
And what I take away from all of that is that there is not just one interpretation for 99% of the verses out there, hadiths out there. There's always some other way. Mm-hmm. Um, even linguistically, you look at one word, one Arabic word, it's so rich, right? Um, and some people look at it and, oh, um, here it says you reprimand. So everybody says, yeah, must do it like this. This one says beat, controversial verses, right? Oh, baraba means beat. But there are many other interpretations of that word and how it actually um, is understood and how it's actually practiced. And sometimes people take a verse and they say, oh, it's in the Quran, so it must be done. Yeah, and then, right. and then, yeah, and then they, they don't follow what the Prophet actually did. Mm. The Prophet, for example, never, when, when asked, uh, Aisha was asked, she said that the Prophet, peace be upon him, never raised his voice at any of the women, never used his, raised his hands, meaning beat any of the women in, in the household, not even the slaves that were back then available, not a single one. So some, and this is where the irony sometimes I feel, because men would say, oh, we want polygamy, for example, because you want to follow the sunnah or the prophet. But then you disrespect women without following the sunnah as to how the prophet used to always respect women. Like selectively choosing, I like this one, I don't like that one. And that becomes an issue, right? So I think we, sh- we need to be fair. And in order to be fair with our interpretations, understanding, we need to learn more. And so like, going back to my first point, education, keeping an open mind, listening, learning, being receptive to different views. Um, and I, get, I feel like that's how real maturity, religious maturity, spiritual maturity, can, emotional maturity can take place. And when that happens, then we will see real growth. We will see, um, I don't know whether this term is correct, but positive masculinity, right? Rising in our... We're pushing for that. Huh? We're yeah. pushing for that term, positive yeah, yeah. masculinity. So, so it has to start from there. Um, and then seeing more examples of good men uh, in our society. Um, because when we hear stories, we get more and more inspired. And, and the stories, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, just because he is very, um, you know, some men would put it this way. Oh, he's a weak man. Why? Because he always allows the wife to do this, to do that. He's weak. But I hope there are men who can do that to their wives and prove to the other men who think that way and say, look, but I am, I'm also an accomplished individual. I can still do a lot of things. I'm not limited just because I allow my wife to do all of it. For example, my wife just got promoted. I'm, I'm so happy for her at her workplace. Mm-hmm. And I, I applaud her because she made a lot of sacrifices. You know, Izana, like what you've been saying, for a man to get promoted versus for a woman to get promoted, she has to work doubly hard to get there mm-hmm. uh, in, in every way because... At home, she's expected to do this and that. And then um, society expects her to do this and that. At the workplace, professionally, maybe people expect her to, to be more visible, um, you know, to be more contributive. Um, then she's more deserving. So I'm so proud of her. Uh, and that does not, as you can see, alhamdulillah, does not limit me and my growth. Absolutely. Like we grow together. And, and again, this is about how we understand the role of men and women in society 
and that we all have the opportunity, we all deserve the space that we need in order to reach our fullest potential. Absolutely. Thank you for answering that question. All right. So um, thank you, Izana, for your time. Oh, by the way, one last thing. I see that you're wearing the green ribbon. Yes. <laughs> and support. Um, yes, Tengku Iman was my guest um, sometime back in I January. And um, so, yes, I, she also has one for me. She showed me, Stars, this is yours. But because of COVID, it hasn't arrived yet. Yeah, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it soon, inshallah. Okay, yeah, Zana. I'm really proud of the work they're doing. Exactly. Really. Yes, impressive. So thank you, Zana, for your time once again. I wish you all the best. I can't wait to be more involved again in any of the future work that you are going to do. And um, I can't wait to go to Malaysia and catch up with you face-to-face. -face. Yes. <laughs> Inshallah. We'll have longer conversations for sure. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you so much. Take care, mm -hmm. everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I hope you took down some notes. Um, many gems shared by Izana today. Please follow her. Please follow Rise uh, Malaysia. Please follow um, Girls for Girls on social media for the latest update. Okay? Take care. Wassalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.